Welcome to Steps, a podcast celebrating people and their stories. Far too often, we don't give people the opportunity to share their journey, where they've come from, what they've overcome, and the amazing things that have happened in their lives. That's what we're going to do on Steps. We'll have real conversations with real people to understand how they've gotten to this place in time. Confucius said, the journey of 1,000 miles starts with a single step. So, let's start this journey. My name is Steve Wenzel, and by nature, I love people's stories. I also love being able to help people share their journeys as everyone's journey is unique to them. Today's guest is Dustin Watton, and his journey is a fun one to explore. Dustin is a professional indoor volleyball player who's competed at some of the highest levels imaginable. One of his most impressive accolades on the court came with Team USA as a World Cup champion. In our conversation, we discuss what it's like to compete at a professional level and also what the journeys looked like for him. As part of Dustin's journey, he's become a student of the sport and a student in life. He's founded a company called No Easy Buckets, which brings to life his learnings through one-on-one coaching, insightful social media posts, and a flair for living your best life. As Dustin reminds his followers frequently, it's all about reminding ourselves that today is the best day ever. One thing to note, Dustin is in Poland when we recorded this, and our audio connection got a little wonky at times. Thanks for the patience in advance. Now, let's get into the conversation with Dustin. What is up, my friend? Good evening. Good evening. Good what time is it? What time is it there? Uh, we got 9 p.m. or as they say in Europe, 21. 21. Still, still messes with my brain, but. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. So I guess for, obviously I know where you're at, but for our listeners, for anybody, for the fly on the wall here, why don't you give, give everybody an update? Where are you? What's going on right, with you right now? Yeah, I'm in Eastern Poland in a city called Lublin. It's, uh, it's like the biggest city on the east side. We're just everyone from villages kind of like block to when they go to school. I think there's something around 100,000 college students in this city. So it's pretty cool. I love it a lot. Uh, the team I'm playing, it's, it's in their first year in the, in the top division. So we actually have a pretty good team. So it's been fun. And yeah, it's beautiful. My girlfriend will get out next week. And yeah, just working a lot on and off the court and days are flying by and just, yeah, grateful to be here with you and to have a great conversation today. I appreciate you taking time. I mean, again, obviously the time difference and, you know, you and I, we talk quite frequently, but time difference, just, it's something that a lot of people don't grasp and let alone, you know, different cultures and everything like that. And so Poland, I mean, I'm a guy that's never, I've never been out of the country. I mean, Canada, but I don't, I don't fully count yeah. that, but, yeah. but like you grew up in Long Beach. There's obviously a difference, right? I mean, California to Poland. I mean, what would you say some of the, the biggest changes? And obviously you've, you've been all around the globe, right? I mean, by virtue of what you do, but you know, right now, how could you compare Poland to, is there a city? You said a college town, is there a city like in the States that you can compare it to? That's a great question. Um, cities are just so different in America because they're just planned out whereas in or spread out. Whereas in Poland, I was telling my girlfriend, it's like you can pretty much walk wherever you need to go here. Like 
most people don't have cars. Most people don't need cars. It's like really, really cool. Um, but I would say overall, people in Poland are just very soft-spoken. People in the United States are like very loud, like, hey, look at me over here. Or like, hey, how are you doing? Like in Poland, people just don't. You have like, how are you? Like, but you actually never say that to someone you don't know. I learned that the I say this everyone didn't know at first because I was just trying to be polite and all my teams were, teammates were laughing at me. Um, but Polish people, I, I really like it here. They're just, um, it reminds me of the quote. It's like, hard times make hard people, or sorry, hard times make strong people, strong people make good times, good times make weak people, weak people uh, make hard times. I think people's changed out with men. But um, yeah, I think people here just, you know, they went through a lot of years of hard times and they just are really great. They take care of each other. Um, I've never been in a country where they collectively like raise money for sick kids. Like they go all in, like, it's just like, it's like a really warm, loving, supportive country. And maybe it's just the people I come in contact with, but um I just really like it here. People here are just really sincere and genuine. It's interesting because I know, and obviously just through our friendship and, you know, the, the people that I follow and that we've got, you know, mutual friends, volleyball in Europe is totally different than here in the States. And again, we're going to have a mix of people that dig in on this podcast and a lot of, probably a lot of volleyball people that listen, but like, what what's volleyball like in Poland? I mean, it from what I see, I like I can't put into words. Can you explain it to me? Yeah, I mean, volleyball is like the sport here. It's like for people that watch like Rick and Morty, you walk into like this portal and you step onto another dimension where like volleyball is the sport. So when I first got out here, like there was just little things where someone would ask me for an interview and I'm like, oh sure. And I meet him in a coffee shop and they're like shaking like uh or like one kid one he's like hey i'm terry you're vegan do you want to come to my family's house and i was like sure like whatever i'll come you know i'm just like a normal guy and it was like literally like i was like a prince to them they're like please come in and they were just like all so nervous and i'm just like i'm just like that's not a regular guy and the city you know the city i came before in France, they just could care less about volleyball. We have like 60 people at our games. And here it's like you live, breathe volleyball, especially with their national team recently having so much success. Whenever their national team plays here, it's complete sellout, you know, anywhere from um, gyms of 5,000 to like 12,000. They had um, a couple of years ago, they hosted the world championships in the first game they played in a soccer stadium. So they sold out 70,000 people. Um, so it's, it's very different. Um, I love the culture because, um, I think the uh, average salary here is something like thousand dollars a month, but if you play volleyball professionally, you're making a lot of money. And then on top of that, if you're playing in the plus Liga, which is the first division, you're making a lot, a lot, a lot more money. So maybe, um, a hundred to 200 times, or, you know, I would say, sorry maybe like 30 to like 40 times that. So it's a pretty big deal to be a volleyball player with all the external gratification, whether it may be um, money, status, you know, like 
girls love volleyball players here. It's like, wait, what universe am I in? Um, and so it's just, it's just pretty funny. All the games are on TV too. And, but I don't know for me, I'm still just kind of like normal Dustin one that just likes to, to bump the ball around, but it's cool. <laughs> but it's cool to share my passion with so many people that are so passionate about volleyball. Oh, I can, I can only imagine. I mean, again, and what you shared, I think we can go like a ton of different ways. I think where I want to start maybe is like kind of the professional journey, right? Cause again, you talk about how it's unique over there, 70,000 fans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you come from France where you're getting 60 people in an arena or at a match, like yeah. what, like what talk to, talk to me, explain me on to me, like your journey into the pro, you know, cause obviously you played at long beach and we can, we can go back to that, but like, let's kind of work, focus on, after post long beach into where you're at right now, kind of what that journey looked like. Yeah. After long beach, um, I didn't really know what to do. I got an invite to the national team gym and it, it turned out to be my head coach got the job. So, uh, they're like, yeah, we'll bring you in. I was like, well, can I come in now? I was like the beginning of the summer. It's like, no, we really don't need you in now. I was like, what was that supposed to mean? <laughs> but I, but I came in at the end of the summer and tried out for the Pan Am team and made it played pretty well and i was just like um what's next and i was just hoping expecting some team would offer me a contract no one did i was just completely oblivious about the next step and that's also something i'm passionate about helping people understand that but um that whole year i didn't have a contract so i I coached club stayed around in the training center but there was no one really training it was a really odd year after that, went to Finland, two years in Finland, France B. Um, long story short, I signed with a team in France B that was going to move up to France A. It was like so exciting. The team pretty much like cut me like illegally, but the agent, my agent at the time helped me agree to it. I was like, okay. And then out of nowhere, my other agent, I had two at the time, found me a job in Brazil. So that was like, wow, Brazil. Came back to France. Played another year in France, Poland, Berlin. Been the last two years in Poland, and one more year in Poland. Now I'm in Lublin. My goodness! I mean, again, I, if I could just think about what your passport looks like. I mean, again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be unreal. What's uh, what's been the favorite place you've played? You've called home, right? Favorite place you've called home, and then also favorite place that you've played. Ooh, called home is a good one. Um, you know what? In between my first year in Finland, because I stayed there for two years, and that was just, I had some friends there that really looked after me. And then maybe um, my first, my first team in Poland. It's a it's a city that a lot of people make fun of. They call it like the butthole of Poland, <laughs> but but uh, it was just like. It's just like a lot of really good people and like they like they love volleyball like that was it they so much and i was so nervous but it's just really good people and they took care of me so that, that always has like a a deep spot in my heart and then what was the second question that my favorite place, favorite place you play favorite place you played um god that's such a such a good question I'd say the favorite place I've played, Brazil was just like wild to play. It was a really difficult season, but to play there and like 
how their fans act in games, it's like unbelievable. Like, like it's it's as if we're like the Los Angeles Lakers playing in the finals. How they react, like it was so unbelievable. Like the feeling you got from them, like talking about like you know the fans having an impact on the game. So that was cool. I would say also Berlin was really fun to play. They would pack it four or five thousand people, and then my first team in Radom, they only had fifteen hundred, but we sold out like pretty much every other game, if not more. Dang. So how many years? How many years have you been pro? I think this is my twelfth. I've had a lost count. <laughs> It's kind of like the it's kind of like pe- when people ask you your age and you're like once you reach a certain number it's like wait how I'm I'm how old what <laughs> yeah I mean my my goal is only to play like two years if I could play two years that would have been like a huge success for me and I just kept on playing for me once I got a taste of it I was like I'm pretty good but I was realistic I was like I'm really not that good but if I can keep on getting contracts I think I could be pretty good I just. I just need time. And that's like something I talk a lot with the athletes I work with. Like when they're frustrated, it's like, it just needs work. You know, we just have to invest in that process. Everyone wants everything like to be perfect right away. But that's just not how life works. Hmm. So I came to that conclusion pretty early where I was just like, if I can just keep on getting contracts, because that's pretty hard as a libero, just to keep on getting contracts. But if I can just keep on getting contracts, I think I could, you know, really do something special. It's it's funny. And again, name of the podcast is steps, right? And it's, it's a celebration of the steps that you've taken to get to this point. Right. But yeah. And you and I talk at length about a multitude of things, but I, one thing that you, I want to kind of touch on is, you know, they keep getting contracts to me. It's like taking that next step forward and just constantly trying to find a way to keep moving yourself forward. Um, you talked about working with athletes, right? So I think, I think that's kind of a, a pretty cool transition. Like when you say you're working with athletes, what is it like, what does that mean? Yeah. So last year I had an idea cause I might, you know, one day and, uh, the thought is maybe I would work with my agent. I have an agent in Finland, an agent in Poland. They reached out. They're like, you know, we would like to do something with you. So I was like, okay, how could I bring value? And so my first thought was like, maybe I sign, help them sign a player and I work with them like mindfully. So like they, they do the contracts and I, I work with this player to get the most out of his season, most out of the month, out of the week, out of the day, right. Being very intentional, understanding the roadblocks, the setbacks that are ahead of him to make sure that, when they do happen, it doesn't bother as much as it would without me, right? Because like you said, overseas, it's like, you know, Finland is so long ago. But when I was in Finland, that was like a really long period and just like cold and it was dark. And it was like that for like 180 days. So it's really good. It, it, w- it would have been great in my situation to have someone to hold me accountable to lead me, you know, when I'm getting frustrated, to help me have more clarity on like losses that I took too hard. So that was my initial step uh, was like, okay, let's see if this player is interested. And then if he signs, I'll work with him. And then once the NIL um, 
came for NCAA athletes. I was like, okay, that's a no brainer. This is something I find really interesting in working with the next best generation of athletes. And I already knew Mason Briggs from Long Beach state, which is my alma mater, um, had done some great things. I was like, wow, this guy's really good. And so that was my first thought. I was like, okay, let's see if Mason wants to work with me. And then after that, I was like, I should probably get a girl. And, um, I ended up looking up this name, Zoe Fleck, because she used to write me when she was younger. She wrote me like really intentional, mindful questions. Because a lot of people write me, I get like, I don't know, 20, 30 questions a day. And it can be like super basic, like how do I pass the ball or like how can I jump higher? And hmm. the jump higher ones are funny. I'm like, man, I, I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a libero. I'm it refer- reference my good friend, you know, Taylor Averill or, you know, yeah, yeah, any yeah. of these guys, right? But I remember Zoe, I, I don't remember exactly the questions, but just like very intentional, mindful questions, like for stuff on the court and off. And it, that, that name, I just always remember that name. And so I went to go look her up. I was like, what has she been doing? I'm sure she's probably still in college. And I saw that she was like an honorable All-American last year. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. It's like, yeah. well, like easy. I'm going to reach out to her. Reached out to her. And she was like, absolutely. And so um, started with them. I reached out to a young Polish libero. I really like that. It reminds me a lot of myself. This like stud French libero. And then eventually Eric Loepke, a uh, Canadian outside hitter, uh, who just really, his character really resonates with me. And he just has big aspirations, very genuine guy. And so, yeah, just working with them, being more mindful, intentional, on and off the court. We'll watch a lot of video on themselves, um, on different players at their position at the highest level, seeing what we can take away from them how these players can be a little more simpler, how they can be a little more intentional and a little more purposeful each and every day. Knowing, like you said, those steps add up, you know, even if it's just like an inch more a day. Okay. Two years from now, that's a long distance. Yeah. I I say it in the intro of the podcast that I've recorded and like Confucius said, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. And it's like, and it's challenging for whether, and again, I, I come from the coaching college coaching background. You know that, you know, many of our listeners may or may not, but like I did that for nine years and we get so focused on the end as opposed to taking the steps to get there and kind of full transparency, right? Like Dusty and I are good friends and we also work together because, you know, his company, what he's rolling, you know, no easy buckets. I'm fortunate enough to be a coach within that. So as he sits and talks about, you know, Zoe and Mason and Eric, right. Those are individuals that, and I'm grateful to you for the opportunity, Dusty, but like that I get to work with on a daily basis to be able to build steps outside of the court. And I guess no easy buckets. I got a question. What does it mean, man? (laughs) Yeah. Well, first off, I'm grateful for you because if you, Josh and CJ, the other mind coaches, you know, the thought was just to bring together great, genuine, sincere people, leaders in your own different ways to lead this next generation. And so I'm just really grateful for you. But noisy buckets, yes. So my Instagram kind of started with just me posting videos of myself because I wasn't getting any contracts and I was playing pretty well at the level I was at. 
And I was like, I don't really know what I can do. I'm playing whatever level I'm playing at. You know, I, I just won best libero for Pan Ams. I just won best libero in the Finnish league and I still can't get contracts. So it's like, what is going on? And so I, I just started posting videos to Facebook and Instagram. I had a like very basic background in video editing and I just tried to put everything I could up online and then people you know people started liking it when i go home my friends were like dude it's great following you like you should post more i'm like really i'm like okay <laughs> like posting more and then um one day i think this is my sixth year in france uh, one of my good friends there on my team was a middle blocker and we both love basketball so i we were going back and forth chirping through the net like very playfully and i dug him and i was like no easy buckets and it just kind of stuck with me and I made like a super basic, like crappy logo. I took like the Duke basketball logo, but put like no easy buckets on it and, <laughs> and people like liked it and it was like really funny. And then a couple of years ago, people were like, man, you should make shirts. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I wasn't really doing it anymore. And I just kept, people kept on pushing me to make shirts. I was like, all right, fine. I'll make shirts. Found a graphic designer within the volleyball community that helped me out. And then I think a couple months later, um, an old teammate approached me, let me know that he was working with um, people one-on-one. And that's another long story, but long story short, at that moment, I decided that I would commit more time and energy to building noisy buckets um, with the goal in mind that bring more value to the next generation of athletes and coaches. And it all started by you doing a little trash talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, crazy. it's crazy. But but anybody that knows you, right? Like, I mean, again, the first thing that comes to mind for me isn't, oh yeah, here's Dusty talking a little shit through the through the net, right? Like, <laughs> so that's hilarious. Uh, I mean, one, I still do that, and when I was younger, I would do that a lot. Like anyone that was in college or coached in college at my time. I was not like a very pleasant person. I had like long, long blonde hair. I had a fat mustache. I had a headband. And I was just always chirping through. And I was always chirping. I still get a little chirpy. <laughs> but uh, I, I get to the point where I'm able to catch myself. And I'm like, all right, does this need to happen at this moment? And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm playing in a game. I'm going to chirp. But most yeah. of the time it's like, I don't need to do this. Get back to my breath and help my team side out. So let, again, you brought it up. Let's kind of stay there. You know, the, the different version of Dusty or, you know, where you were at one point in time, right? Like long hair, fat mustache, talking mm -hmm. a little trash, right? And again, I've been fortunate to know you over the past four years. I mean, you know, we built a relationship and, you know, to hear something like that, it brings to mind, right? Like I, I've got a good friend that, is going going through stuff and they you know they said they they were a totally different person five six seven years ago and they actually kind of started second guessing that they deserved to be where they're at right now right so like i, I kind of i want your opinion or i want your thought I'm trying to figure out how i want to word this obviously you were you were in a different headspace and you've changed now but like what was that like for you what were you like and how did you get to this place in time? 
Yeah. When I was younger, it was just a lot of unconscious ego where it's like, I had to do this. I had to do that. And a lot of this stuff was like, just to feel valued or to feel loved. And so like, I felt I had to be like the strongest person. I felt I had to be the best athlete. I felt I had to be like the coolest party guy or the guy that won beer pong the most. And I felt like I had to have these things for validation of myself because I just wasn't really confident in myself. Um, but fast forward a couple of years later after college, I had a Finnish girlfriend and slowly I started seeing that um, one, I couldn't party and show up to USA practices. Like I really wasn't practicing that much, but the little run I did get, like if I had drank the night before or a couple of days before, like I was not good enough to like try and play ball, like a little hungover or a lot of hungover. And so that was like clear. I was like, well, right away, like what's my priority? Cause I can't do both. I'm not good enough to do both. Some athletes can, and it's like unbelievable. I don't know how they can do it. Hmm. I'm not one of those guys. And then the second with my girlfriend was like, a lot of our time was spent away. And, you know, if you drink, if you drink a lot, you black out, like you're not really in control. You don't know what you're doing. And so that was also a priority. Like I never wanted to hurt her. And so I slowly stopped drinking because there was just really no point for me. If I drank a lot, I would do something that maybe I didn't know I was doing. Um, before that, when I would drink, it was to, I don't know, be a little more loose and talk to girls. Okay, well, I don't need to do that. I have a girlfriend that I love. And I just started running out of reasons why I needed to drink. And if anything, I started realizing that drinking was disabling me. Drinking was disaligning myself from my true self because some of the actions I had when I drank wasn't how I wanted to act when I was sober or how I felt I should act when I was sober. And so there was just little moments. There was never like a huge incident, but a lot of it just came back to aligning myself with the person I wanted to be. How'd you land on that? How'd you land on like who you wanted to be? And again, let me, I'll take a step back. Right. So, and I'm going to come back to that. So I understand, like, I hear what you're saying. I mean, again, I, heck I was in college, you know, like I, I distinctly remember those feelings, right. Like I joined a fraternity, I do all these different things. And for me, it was, I didn't drink until I got went to college. So like I go to college and here we go. And here's my opportunity to fit in. And it allows, it allows me to like, I literally escaped what I came from, from my, you know, from my home life and all that stuff. So here I am college, I'm a social being and all that stuff. And it's natural, right? So like, I'm trying to sit and think because again, we talk with Zoe, we talk with Mason, we talk like all the, you know, you have the ear of so many, but like, what was it and how did you figure out what you wanted your true self to be? And how you mentioned, you figured out how it was, you knew it was enough, right? These small incremental things, but like, how did you figure out who you wanted to be? I just have like a really, excuse me, a really um, strong conscious where if I do something like bad or like unvirtuous, like I feel it. Like even if it's like jaywalking, I'm like, no, nah, this is not what I'm supposed to do. Like, <laughs> and so there was just a lot of moments like that where I just felt like, no, nah, like that's, not who I want to be. Like, 
this is who I want to be. I want to be loving, supportive, caring, helping people out. Um, sometimes that stuff goes out the window when I'm competing, (laughs) (laughs) but mostly throughout the day, it's like, I want to be of service to others. And that's really important to me that, um, my impact on my life is not just for me, but for others as well. It's that I mean, the thing is that ties to exactly what you do daily that ties to how you're creating noisy buckets. Like all of, like all of this is, it's kind of your North star, right? And you, you show up for others better than so many and you don't ask in return. And again, that's just an observation, right? Like obviously, you know, through your Instagram, through everything that you do, right? Like everything that you put out there is to help others, I guess in, in some essence, understand who they are or try to figure out how to take that step in whatever it is. I mean, does that sound about right? Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize the power they have within them. And a lot of these moments in life that most people will label failure, travesty, awful are harbingers for their possibility to evolve. So I just want to help people see that inside of them where it's just like we all go through these things, professional athletes, normal people. We aren't alone. We can have this empathy for each other. We can grow stronger as well and find a little more courage and strength to meet these that we might have labeled as awful before. Now we can view them as teachers, as lessons, as guides towards leveling up mm, leveling up it's one of one of our good friends loves to use that phrase um speaking of leveling up you mentioned your girlfriend sam mm-hmm. and again i i'm curious Ian, share as much as you'd like but like how'd you and sam meet i mean again she's one of those that as i sit and you and i have conversation obviously we're friends like you had, from a leveling up perspective, she's one that continues to help you level up in my opinion. So I'm curious to see yeah. like your story with Sam. Yeah. It was like one day she, I got a DM and it was like asking about like a stoic. I think it was, I posted a book about Buddhism and she was asking about a stoic recommendation. I could kind of like see her profile from far because it was like a small circle. I was like, it's like someone like playing like a trick on me. And I was like, <laughs> you know, a really attractive girl asking about like a stoic book recommendation. I was like, someone playing a trick on me. And so we we had like some conversations like here and there, but we were both dating someone and the, the thought never occurred. I didn't even know where she was from. Like I never really looked into it, but I always thought it was funny. I was like, wow, there's like another young person that's like actually like, interested in stoicism like how funny i I just thought it was like funny and then uh long story short i was gonna go visit max holt and that didn't work out and she was out in ohio so we just i went out there and we went on a hike um i was only there for like a day and a half maybe not like a day and a quarter i flew out to st louis to do some volleyball clinics with scott tzinski and I was about to head out for Hawaii and I realized that I could change my flight back to go see her because the impression was just so huge. I just felt 
it's like you know it's like you hear these like love stories it's like oh and that's the moment i knew when she was the one and i always hear these stories i was like come on like <laughs> that's such crap but like yeah that first day i was just like wow like who is this girl so i went back um spent i think three more days of her and then i went back to california and then i went to hawaii to visit cj one of the mind coaches this was all during covid and I started to realize like kind of the impermanence of the summer. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go to Poland soon. Like she's for sure. Is it coming with me to Poland? Like I've, I've only seen her for four days. And so I threw out the Hail Mary. And I was like, do you want to move to Hawaii? And like, come live with me. And she said, yes. And I was just like, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so we spent a month in Hawaii and grew a little bit there. She came out to Poland for a couple of weeks, but mostly long distance. And very long story short, she'll come next week to Poland. So hmm. just really grateful. I, I just love um, how, how independent and clear and confident she is. Um, the love that guides her. She's such a healer um, for friends family and strangers alike and i'm really excited to to see her next step knowing that she's going to affect so many um around her so positively you just like kind of watching you and listening like i get i feel the energy like it's yeah. it, that's that's so amazing uh well sam when you listen hello and you know hope you are well my friend um i wrote down something just a random that I want to throw in here. <laughs> I need to figure this one out. Your favorite group is earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> Does that still hold true? And if so, at one point in time, it was, how did that happen? Uh, I don't know that it was like Long Beach state or something, but I remember too, my first team in Finland, like the DJ was like, he, he found that and he thought it was so cool too. And I was like, yeah, kind of, oh, I'm all over the place. I like funk. Growing up, I loved like Bone Thugs. Oh, yes. Um, when I got overseas, I started listening to like more house music. Yep. I also loved like, I don't know how else you would describe it, like shaman music. I like Bossa Nova. I don't know. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I'm so lucky I've been able to live in so many different um, cultures and countries that value different styles of music. Oh, I get it, my friend. I mean, again, like it's funny because I, in college, I don't know if you even know this, but in college I used to DJ and I were yeah, used yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> and you get very used to, you mentioned different cultures and going to different places. It's the same thing, right? Like, and in many cases, that's where, like, that's where I got exposed to like house music and EDM and all of that. But it also, I got a stronger affinity towards things that weren't being played in the club, right? Because that's all you end up hearing. And that's all you end up listening to. So yeah, yeah, a greater yeah. appreciation for, you know, you mentioned Boston Nova. Like, I mean, for me, like I grew up listening to country music, like, I mean, 90s country music and all that stuff. I came back around to some of that. Like, I love like easy listening, like Jack Johnson or, you know, like that kind of stuff too, because it's just a totally different tone or, you know, temperament that I'm used to for sure. Heck yeah. One thing you are not all over the place on is what you eat and what you choose to fuel your body with. And again, as a fellow vegan, you were one that inspired me, but 
talk to me, like, can you, can you share your journey with that? How you got into, into that space? Yeah. Like a lot of changes in my life. It came from like, maybe like a little darker place, a place of anxiety. And so going from my second year into my third year, I didn't know if I was going to get a contract my third year. I wasn't really playing that well. My team in Finland didn't even want me back, but I was able to kind of skate into France B. So at the end of that finish year, I realized like I wasn't playing well. I was like, and I was like really anxious, really nervous. I was just, I, I couldn't play well. And so I realized I was like, I, I need to start making a change. And the biggest change I could think of was reading. I, I never really liked reading. My mom started sending me some uh, mindset books, sports psychology books. And I just started reading, coming up with different ideas to be um, a little stronger, a little more intentional off the court. And so going to that French year, went to the bookstore, went to the sports section, just grabbed a bunch of books that I thought were like motivational or mindset. So I think I had like five books with me. And on the plane, first book, 10 pages, skateboard. Second book, 10 pages, repeat, repeat, repeat. <laughs> the last book was Finding Ultra that I thought was like a motivational book, but it was this guy's like memoir about him. And long story short, he was an athlete in college, became an entertainment lawyer, overweight, felt like he was going to have a heart attack and die, switched over to a plant-based diet, started running, exercising again, and within a couple of years became a like world renowned like triathlete and so he uh, he owed like his evolution to a uh, plant-based diet and i was like i read the book from start to finish on the plane and so i had two epiphanies i was like wow one i just read a whole book on a plane i was like <laughs> wow i'm so smart i was like this is amazing <laughs> the second i was like um so am i gonna go plant-based because before then you know Going back to my college days, it was like I felt I needed to do certain things to feel appreciated, to be valued. And one of that was being strong. And so being strong for me was having protein. When you get protein, you get from animals. And so it went against everything I knew, but I was like, let's try it. I'll try it for like three months. We'll see how it goes. And I went to like vegan hell, the south of France, where everything is just <laughs> – Meat and Meat cheese. cheese. <laughs> it's impossible. There's so many like road meals where it was like uh, egg pasta and like buttered greens. I'm like, ah, this, this is a vegan. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I just had this uh, this abundance mindset where it's like, this could be a huge edge. This could be a huge edge. Rather than a lot of people are like, I miss steak. I miss that. Socially, it's tough. I can't do this. Da, 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 da. And I just started to feel better. I felt lighter. I still felt strong. Digestion was better. Sleep was getting better. My acne I had for like 10 years, like went away, like within an instant. And so it just started to feel right for me. Do you, and again, yeah. How long have you been vegan? 11 years. Okay. So do you miss any, anything non-vegan? Is there anything you like, ah, that just really sounds like I would enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, you know, like meat tastes good and you know, probably a lot of that is the seasoning. But like, you know, like, yeah. Like I remember the taste of steak. It was really good. Uh, but you know what? There's like 
other great tastes that I didn't experience before, like a good acai bowl. Like, hmm. Oh my God, it's so amazing. There's so many different tastes, you know? And what I found too is I had to become more creative and more knowledgeable in the kitchen. Mm. So that was cool. You know, now there's a lot more fast food that's vegan friendly, but at the time there was zero. So I automatically started eating like really healthy because I just couldn't eat anything on the go. Right. Um, but yeah, after it took me a while, after like two and a half years, it finally like the ethical component clicked for me. And I don't say that staying on, say standing on a pedestal, everyone has their subjective take on life. But for me now, I just don't see myself ever, you know, eating a piece of meat, even though it's like, it's a good taste. Could make me stronger. I don't know. Grow hair back on my head, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, uh, I really like how I feel. I think long-term for my health, it's going to work out well. Um, And then just ethically, I just, I just feel, I don't feel the pull to eat something that, you know, we can grow from the ground rather than, you know, raising someone to slaughter. No, I dig it. I mean, again, we've been vegan, mostly vegan, um, better part about four and a half years now, you know, and again, it, Mm -hmm. it sparked my wife watched a documentary on Netflix and it was, I was away on a work trip and I come back and she goes, Hey, watch this. And I'd be curious your thoughts. And I'm like, all right, cool. And so it was one of those. And then you and I ended up connecting shortly after that. You actually came out to Portland and that's when you came out and visited Kalista and, you know, our campus. I distinctly remember we walked up the street to La Bonita and we got burritos and I'm like, you know, we've been kind of dabbling with this. And I'm like, I'll I'll have what he's having. Right. And and it was just one of those things that like it, it's interesting. And you mentioned like the different flavors. That's the kind of one of the bigger experiences, you know, here there's, I, and I per, like, I don't miss the taste of meat. I kind of, I don't even kind of remember it. I know it was good and it served its purpose for me. And will I ever eat meat ever again? I don't know. But like, I think the cool thing is there's so many different opportunities to create something um, different. Right. So like, what, yeah. like, what's, what's your go-to vegan <laughs> dish? Uh, I'm actually, other than, other than your smoothies, <laughs> I'm a pretty lame cooker. My girlfriend makes fun of me all the time. I usually just do, uh, I have like two meals. I go back and forth with one. I'll just like, again, like I get home, like really late here in Poland yeah. and I'm just like very minimalist without my girlfriend being here. I'll like potatoes, I'll mash those up and then I'll like saute some garlic, maybe throw some onions broccoli sweet potatoes um zucchini broccoli sorry i said broccoli there's a bunch of veggies in <laughs> yeah. the pan right i'll season that with uh some cumin curry turmeric black pepper i'll put some coconut milk on top of that and then maybe like an avocado on top and then pretty much the same meal but i'll do that with um rice noodles or like you know maybe like they have all these different like noodles over here now where it's yeah. like sweet potato noodles, whatever. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. I'm like pretty, pretty lame with the smoothies. I can get a little, a little fancy, a little bougie, but, uh, (laughs) give me, give me an example of a bougie smoothie. mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe like a acai berry bowl on top. I'll put some sprouted buckwheat, some sprouted flax seeds, some fresh fruit, some homemade granola, 
goji berries, dried fruit. Like I, I just love like something sweet and then a lot of different textures and crunch on top of that, where it's just a bunch of ambiguous, like uh, delicious toppings. I dig it. And anybody listening in California and all over, I mean, the acai bowls obviously are the, just the biggest thing. Everybody, like you go there and everybody wants an acai bowl. So I totally mm. dig it. Oh man. How are you? How you feel? Amazing. Yeah. Pretty. I've been working a lot lately, you know, getting, uh, getting Taylor's course out, but, um, and then all the stuff with the NEP athletes, but I just feel it's like my dharma it's like something i really enjoy and <laughs> assuming i'm correct it's bringing a lot of value to other people along their journeys and so i just think that's the best thing in life enjoying doing something and bringing value to other people's journeys so yeah yeah we spoke about it it's like from you know nine to ten or maybe even from like eight to eleven each day I'm just working. I'm like, whether it's on the court or at home, like not really watching TV. I'm barely reading, which I should get back on. <laughs> uh, but I'm just grinding, uh, grinding with joy. So still one of the, one of the big um, epiphanies I had was like, you know, I think it's fine to grind. Like if you have a, a small business and I was talking to our mutual friend, Corey, I was like, if you have a small business, like you're going to have to put in a lot of time, if not a couple, a lot of years to, to get it running. Mm -hmm. And, but for me, it's like, um, I needed to commit to a larger portion of meditation, right? Because if I'm always running around doing things, I want to be still or like the Joe old, um, Joe Wooden saying, be quick, but don't hurry. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Um, incredibly busy, but busy just doing the work I feel I'm here to do, which is to empower and enrich other people's journeys. And a lot of that right now is through sport. And th like, there's no feeling like that, right? Like, again, we talk about where you're at right now, where you've come from. And when you're at a place and you can sit and realize and understand like, man, this is exactly where I'm meant to be and what I'm doing is adding to the value of others it's helping other people level up it and it's creating so much joy in myself right it's it's kind of almost like that perfect storm that i mean hell i mean how many people everybody's sitting and searching for things like that so it sounds like at least in my opinion that you've got it all you don't have it all together but you're at a place in your life to where you are comfortable in your own skin and you know enduring the journey as well yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday or it was just like, kind of sounds arrogant to say, but it was just like, I just felt like not stressed, but like a little mm, prodded where there's just a lot of things going on, especially with Taylor's course and getting it out and making sure it's great. Him being so excited, meeting with some private clients. And I was just like, oh, I need to take a step back and just like really bask in like this situation right now and all these things that um, I'm grateful for because if we don't take these moments and we're just consistently seeking we're going to achieve some things but then it's going to be the new normal and we go back to this natural seeking and craving state so 
you're right. I thought about this the other day. And I'm just like, wow, how lucky am I? Like this amazing girl to live my dream in Poland, to have a side business, to have some ambiguity about the side business at time to keep me like on my toes, but working with athletes that are happy, parents that are happy and doing some new type of work with other pro athletes where they can also kind of live their dharma and share what they've been learning for their whole career rather than just like when the team cuts me, that's, that's it. And so you, t- you mentioned Taylor a couple of times and obviously, you know, I, I know a lot of the stuff you're working on, but do you want to, you want to elaborate a little bit on that kind of what you're doing with Taylor, what you've done in the past and yeah. shed some light. Yeah. When I referenced Taylor, I'm speaking of Taylor Averill, one of the middle blockers for team USA. And so um, we've always gotten along um, playing on the national team. And last year, he was one of the guys I probably spoke with most outside of uh, Jeff Jendrick. And uh, so when I started making these volleyball courses, the business coach I worked with was like, all right, well, let's start making more with other athletes. And I was like, no. I was like, <laughs> I've already made two. And he's like, you know, like pushing me. And I was like, all right. So Carly was the first one we did a setters course. And then Taylor. And so Taylor's been a wild ride just because he's a, he's a great character. Or last year he just wanted to surf. And I'm like, Taylor, we got to ride it. He's like, oh, I surfed a lot today. I'm like, all right, we got to ride it. And then the summer, it was like, it was on me to start editing. And I just didn't really edit it because it was the national team. And so we've just been working and editing. It's been like a year uh a year journey crafting this middle locker course and it's it's so freaking good uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll send you it without music but like i was watching it and um you know i was going through some clips today for day seven and i was watching this polish middle blocker blocking like going to the pin and i was like oh that's the excel step I was like, oh, that's the shuffle, shuffle, step, step. Oh, that's the one foot step. I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, um, I can now, like, coach. Because when you think about middle blockers, it's just like, okay, yeah, like, crossover step, like, face the net, get your hands over. And not only is that, like, super basic, but a lot of that information, like, pros aren't actually doing that. And so it's just been really cool with that course and the setters course to get into the mind of, like, an elite athlete, someone who it's, like, I wouldn't say life or death, but like their job is strict correlation with them being able to play that position at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was, it, it's just amazing because, you know, coaches can talk about whatever skill they want, but are they proficient in it? Are they like really a pro? Can they really speak about it? If I was a coach, I, I wouldn't be able to speak about attacking, about blocking, about setting, about serving. I can make observations. I can copy what other coaches have said before me, but I don't know what it is to do that skill and to do that skill at such a high level where there is no time and all the intricacies of that skill have to be almost perfected. So it's just been a freaking cool journey. Um, Taylor's now working with some athletes too. I think it's really awesome where he can give back and empower these athletes journeys, but yeah, I'm just I'm just so pumped with this course. It was just um, it came out of nowhere. It's just like like I said, I had a small background in video editing. 
I started posting a couple of years ago when I would interesting what this guy's doing see what this guy's doing see what this is doing and people are like man you should like do something you're we want more and i just was like oh okay whatever 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 and then working with my business coach um it became that that this was something where i could really be valuable to the value of value to the volleyball world of making uh different courses where you know i i broke down what what and how i think of the game and how other players are playing um and then carly and taylor kind of followed so and Hopefully we have some other athletes uh, that will come out with some courses soon and just, just pairing, you know, athletes and coaches with a big passion and will for becoming better with the knowledge, purpose, and intention of pros. That's, I mean, it's amazing. And for, just for everybody listening, you mentioned Carly a couple of times, Carly Lloyd, former yeah. national team setter. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Carly Lloyd and Taylor Averill. Yep. You, I mean, and maybe you kind of dropped a little hint there, but I mean, potentially bringing more stuff. I mean, obviously you've got the, uh, you know, you've got the Libero side covered. We've hit a middle, we've, we've hit a setter. I mean, any, any little teasers for what's to come? Yeah. We, there's a Japanese athlete who's already written his course. Now he's filming it. So oh, right that's going to be cool. Um, we got a woman, a woman on the national team writing a course right now. Uh, uh, international men's setter writing a course right now and a couple other people that it's just like trying to push be like hey what's up uh <laughs> you, now you said you agreed <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's interesting like uh, just trying to find a way to optimize it for them to be excited about the writing process because it is a lot of work um i yeah. think what i do is a lot more but still it's it's tough to sit down and write but well, yeah. very fulfilling once it's done. Both Taylor and Carly, uh, once they finished writing, they were just like so pumped. And and creating the course with them too, I told both the athletes, I'm like, as long as it takes, you know, I want to make it as perfect as I can. And so uh, with Taylor, some of the days we're on our fourth and fifth edits of going back and changing, going back and changing. But that's fine, you know. It's going to be out there one day, and hopefully for many years. And so I want to do the best job possible. This one's like amazing. Like I got a, I got a membership to like uh, presets for like transitions, different graphics. I got a website membership for like sound effects and for music. And so I feel bad almost for Carly's course, or like I just didn't know any better. But for Taylor's, it's like we were watching it together, and like it's it's just it's just really good. <laughs> I'm I'm so stoked. I think. I was telling him too, but I was like, I think, I think every coach should watch this video. Like it's so freaking good. And like, what is better in volleyball than like a good team block and defense. And so it's just so many different thoughts, like high level thoughts that I would have never thought. And like, I'm watching, if not playing the game every single day and all of these things that you're saying to me, I have no idea that it's happening, but now right. that I'm aware of them. Like I could probably go in and coach middles and be like, Let's try this. Let's try this. In this situation, it's tough, but we have to be creative and jump off of this foot. In this situation, we can do this. Okay, this middle blocker is good, so we do this move. Um, you can bait him by doing this. It's it's just like it it blew my mind. Like because he's like a in a good way, kind of like a space cadet, right? It's just like a little like a cool little surfer grab, yeah. but you know he's undersized. He doesn't jump really well, and so he's really had to be very intentional and how he's built himself. 
and it's apparent, right? Like, I mean, and it, it's unique that, and I love following Taylor and I've had good conversation with him, right? But, you know, he's had to get creative and he portrays that whenever, what he puts out there through his social media and all that stuff, you know, it's, I, I, I totally get it. And for everybody listening, like at the end, you know, we'll make sure Dusty lets everybody know where to find all this info. Because again, if you're a player, if you're a coach, if you're trying to figure that stuff out, We'll direct you where you guys need to go to make sure that you guys can see some of that. Um, there's one or two things that I just kind of wanted to touch base with you and we're kind of getting ready to wrap up, but like your story is unique to you, man. Like, and I think that's, that's what's super cool. Is there anything that maybe we haven't touched on that you think is relevant or you want to share with anybody that maybe will make an impact or just anything you want to kind of put out there? I just think you have to, believe in yourself a little longer than you believe it will take. Cause I've just failed so many times. And even the later stages of my career, I've been benched. Like after I was already like a success, right? I've been benched, I've been cut. Like it's always gonna happen in sports or in life, just these unexpected roadblocks, setbacks. I can't believe that happened, but it happened. We have to surrender. We have to accept, and if we can, we love that situation or circumstance that we find ourselves in because from there, we can learn and grow and evolve in unexpected ways because of it. What's that little quote that you always share with me? The wrinkle? Clever wrinkle. (laughs) What a clever wrinkle. And that's, but that's the truth, right? Like, I mean, we don't have control. The only thing we control is ourselves, right? Ourselves, our reaction, our you know, energy and effort that we put into things. But we can't control if we get cut from a team, like you said, or are benched, or you get passed over for a promotion, or that girl or guy doesn't like. Like, the only thing we control is ourselves and our reactions to the situation. So, mm. viewing some of those obstacles and the steps that have gotten us to that point as clever little wrinkles. Uh, not necessarily a bad frame or frame to look at it. Exactly. It's like when I stub my foot or hit my leg into a coffee table, it's just like, I laugh because it was like, there's nothing I can do to change this. That was my fault. And it's just like, I laugh. And I try to have this, uh, the same perception when it's someone else's fault, right? Like, wow, that was pretty silly. Look at the situation I find myself in now. Well, how can I like grow from it? How can I learn from it? Because it's already happened. It's no, truth, amount, no amount of resentment, grief will like change it. It's just like finding ways to accept it as quickly as possible. And then from there, focus on a solution moving forward. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. I want to, I want to ask you one last question and then we'll give everybody, let everybody know where they can connect with you. But, it's a simple question, but yet really profound. And I didn't prep you for this. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> no, but it's all good. Who is Dusty Watt? Uh, a little bald man sitting in Lublin, Poland. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dusty Watt. Uh, and I'm just a guy that wants to do my best. And while I'm doing my best, I want to help others become their best. And I think that's on and off the court and it's always changing off the court but in general i want to learn as much as i can about the world and how i can be more aligned with a stiller loving most loving version of myself 
So I still have a long ways to go. I still really, I believe I have a long ways to go, but you know, I, I love me and along my journey, I love helping others, friends, family, strangers alike uh, on their journey to become their best. I love it, man. One thing I want to finish with is like a little moment of gratitude. And I, I try to do this, you know, in conversations or, you know, even when we finish, but like, man, I, I just wanted to, you know, let you know that I'm grateful for you, the time that, that you've spent with me here and what you put out there, right? Like, and we've talked about it, the impact that you have on the world and people that are paying attention to you, it's profound. And, uh, you know, I know that the, the world is better with your light in it. So I wanted to extend that gratitude to you. Um, and then just kind of in closing, you know, if anybody wants to find out more about you, you know, where, where are they going? Where are we sending them? Yeah, thanks. I feel the same way about you. And hopefully I, I continue to remind you how I feel about you and our friendship. Uh, I think the best place to find me is Dustin Watton on Instagram. Now, actually, I do have a lot more on my website, which is Dusty Watton. Um, a lot more writing and longer version uh, formats. Of course, of course, I have courses. Uh, so Taylor should be up probably while when this is aired, it should be up. So that's exciting. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, I'm doing one-on-one partnerships now with private athletes. By the time this is aired, you know, I might be booked up, but you can always reach out and I'll be honest and let you know where I'm at. Well, cool. Well, and as you, and I'll link it in the uh, show notes and everything, but it's, you know, at Dustin Watton on Instagram and then at Dusty or www.dustywatton.com. But, you know, Dusty, we, like I said, I appreciate you, man, um, allowing me to sit, chat with you, take some time from you. And uh, I'm sure that we will chat very, very soon. Yep. Bring you on our podcast. Oh, let's do it. (laughs) All right, my brother, I appreciate you. And uh, maybe it's time for you to go get some sleep. Talk. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you soon, man. All right. I can't thank Dusty enough for his vulnerability, willingness to share, and most importantly, his real conversation. I hope that each and every one of you took at least one thing from this episode. For me, some of the quick takeaways revolve around the fact that each day we have is a blessing and that our mindset can affect those days as much as the things that happen to us on a daily basis. What were your takeaways? What were you left with? Let me know over on my Instagram, at Steve Wenzel, S-T-E-V-E-V-E-N-C-L, on the post for this episode. Additionally, please share this with someone who may benefit from hearing these words. That's what it's about, sharing people's stories and understanding how to keep moving forward. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, and comment. And until next time, keep moving forward, even if it is just one small step at a time.